you guys want to take a couple deep breaths with me? And so we're all present here in this moment, this time. And just know that even though we're doing something fun talking about cryptids, we are really raising the consciousness of the world, talking about things that need to be talked about, growing and learning together, becoming one, sharing valuable information with each other. And know that it doesn't just stay within our minds, but permeates throughout the universe, all around our world. And help us these conversations to be easier for others who are willing to wake up and be here now and take back this planet that we've been gifted. Hi, and welcome to another Mystery School edition. Our topic tonight is cryptozoology. It is one of my all-time favorite subjects. I am absolutely thrilled to talk about it with you guys tonight. Um, something I have been totally enthralled with for as long as I remember, probably as a little kid, I can remember. Um being in school and talking about the Loch Ness Monster and Sasquatch and all the other things. And, you know, they didn't really give too much other than these were fake things. Uh, I definitely wanted to talk about them more. And my whole life, I felt like I wanted to talk about these subjects that have been really taboo and almost laughable uh, to, so, to some people or even sometimes most people. Um, but now after doing my own research and looking at things with a fine tooth, tooth comb and, and really going through all the data and leaving no no rocks unturned, no information unseen, and giving it my full um, attention, I have come to some really big realizations. And I'm sure some of you guys out there have come into a lot of your own realizations too about many of the cryptids. Uh, I'm super excited tonight to talk about them. Um, the first one in general is my all-time favorite and probably the staple of cryptids in general. And so that's why I chose it to be first. So if we could go ahead and start that slideshow. Again, cryptozoology, one of my favorite topics. And we will only scratch the surface um, to the cryptids tonight. I, I probably got seven or eight, something like that. Um, there are dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of, of cryptids out there um, to talk about. And when I, when I, first of all, when I talk about cryptozoology, I'm talking about a science to study undocumented unclassified animals um sometimes legendary or maybe even extinct animals um and uh you know something like the bigfoot loch ness monster chupacabra yetis uh michaeli and bimbe we're going to talk about a few of those tonight but we're talking about things that aren't on aren't in the science books yet people see them and have seen them for hundreds or sometimes thousands of years and i think it's 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 due diligence that we need to do on these animals just to give them a good you know, check it out. Let's see if it's not real. Totally fine. That's totally fine. But if it is real, then it means something really big. And we need to open our minds to everything is not every, everything that we've been taught in school, everything that's in a couple of science books that you've read in middle school and high school, but that the universe is more spectacular. It's more incredible than each of us can possibly imagine. And that is super exciting to me. So first and foremost, number one to me is the Sasquatch by far, probably like I said, again, the staple of uh, the crypto, the cryptozoology and cryptids. Um, it is something that has been seen all over the world for as long as humans have been on this planet, I'm sure. And it's something that I think is really important to dive into, to understand what is it and not just totally dismiss it and laugh it off. Give it its due diligence. Let's talk about it and let's do it tonight. So in native cultures, they have totem poles with these gorilla type beings on them. 
they're playing his day and this one this is in um british columbia the um vancouver island i've stood right here in front of this this uh picture in this totem pole um this is probably basically what they would account as a mother holding her holding her child and pretty cool i mean there have been people who have seen you know sasquatches that had their children on their backs or on their on their fronts and then they go up to a tree and and then that that little baby jumps up on the tree and, and runs around in the tree like a monkey uh the big ones don't seem to do that anymore they're too big to be up in those trees but the babies d definitely do and they're definitely videos of that there are experiences and stories people tell about that and i think that's pretty incredible um another one they they have actual masks that are sasquatches and um and this one's pretty cool because he's, he's kind of looks like he's making that whoop sound with his mouth. Um, there's no doubt, you know, that's what you have to, 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 to your mouth has to look like um, to even make that sound. And that's what people say, you know, Sasquatch are doing. They're whooping and they're extremely loud, just like monkeys or gorillas would do over you know vast distances so they can contact and, you know, talk to the other ones. Um, and they're very loud. They can, um, you know, Sasquatches have been documented uh, vocal, making vocalizations that are higher than the average person can make, lower than the average person can make, and simultaneously making high and low sounds at the same time, which I think is absolutely incredible. There's no human beings that can do things like that. And um, so their vocal range is much higher than ours. And they even have, Native Americans even have, you know, paintings and drawings in caves of what is obviously not human. Um, this one right here, you know, you can tell the it's much thicker and broader at the waist. It looks like it has lines on it, like it has hair. And uh, these are definitely different. There are people in this picture, but it's definitely different from people. Uh, and it's pretty obvious that, you know, they're drawing things that they saw, that they know about, that they want to make people aware of. And they're even, Native Americans are even carving heads, you know, monkey type heads and gorilla type heads. And one thing about North America is we don't have any monkeys. We don't have any gorillas. Um, interesting fact, though, if the Pacific Northwest, which is a, basically a rainforest, if it doesn't harbor Sasquatch, it's the only rainforest in the world that doesn't harbor its own natural primate. So it just makes sense that there has to be, uh, there should be, you know, primates like that in in the wilderness up there. But all over the world, we have these incredible stories, not just in America, but everywhere, um, pretty much everywhere except for Antarctica. There's no cultures down there. But, um, you know, the Yeti, um, you know, let's go through the names, the Sasquatch, the Wood Booger, the Boogeyman, the Rougarou, the Yeti, the Urine, the Yowie, Orang Pendek, the Almas, the Snowmen. Um, there are probably hundreds of names for Sasquatches around the world. You know, each little area that that they're seen you know you know because it has its own language its own culture have different names you know just in russia alone there's several names besides yeti um for snowmen or you know gorilla type upright walking hominids um, which is probably more like neanderthals cro-magnon man paleolithic man and that's basically i believe what we're talking about if we want to get deep for a second i think we're discussing natural occurring hominids that were organically growing on the planet evolving on the planet and in my own personal opinion opinion i believe that um, aliens from other planets uh, especially nibiru and the anunnaki came down they were mining their gold they came in contact with um, 
you know, they needed help and they came in contact with the, the natural current hominids that were on the planet. And they said, okay, well, let's mix our DNA with theirs and create homo sapiens. And when they did, they can use those homo sapiens to help them mine the gold and bring it back to their planet. And that's exactly what I think happened. That's exactly what I believe. And I feel like in my past lives, I've actually experienced, um, I believe that I was uh, someone of the Sasquatch uh, family and I was caught and they used my DNA to help create humans. Not that I was the only one. I think there was multiple ones. Uh, it just so happens that my partner's name is Lulu. And um, I always ask her like, why, why do you have that nickname? Your name is not even anywhere close to that. And she said, I don't know. My parents call me that. My family calls me that uh, best friends. And it's just something that's very, um, very prevalent in everybody she knows, especially people she grew up with. And, but nobody has any reason why. So I, you know, I've done a lot of studying on the Sumerian tablets and, uh, legends. And one day I saw a video come up and I had to watch it. And, um, it was explaining that very fact that they did take these hominids and mix their DNA. But once they mixed the DNA, they had to put that being into an, a woman to be birthed. And they called that woman the Lulu. And when I saw that, I just, you know, hair stood up on my, on my arms and all over my body. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. That's a, you know, I was searching for the the meaning of this nickname and, and all of a sudden, you know, asking the universe to give it to me. And here it was. So that's pretty incredible. Um, that's just my personal story, my connection. I've always been very, you know, called and, and enamored by these beings and, and the look in their faces and, and something that resonated really highly for me. And, um, and so my whole life, I feel like I've just been really intrigued in these creatures and in these animals. Um, because it is, it's a, it's a, they're animals and we're animals. And I would say they're the wild people and we're the domesticated people. They're the wild, naturally occurring organic humans. And we always want to be organic and clean and natural. And these are that, these are those kind of people. These people, um, they don't care about your religion or your light beer or your politics. They care about each other, taking care of each other. And that's their main priority, I do believe, is, is taking care of everybody in the tribe, everybody in the family. Um, and everybody has different roles and things they do to, for their own survival. And, um, you know, that's that's what's going on. And, you know, there are males, there are females, there's babies, there's whole populations, there's white ones and orange ones and black ones, different colors, different sizes, um, you know, in different locations, they have you know, some that are much bigger and then some are smaller. Like that earlier when I was talking about the orang pandic is as much smaller, um, three foot tall, but still muscular and gorilla like walking upright and having, you know, superior, um, information, uh, or superior computing skills. I mean, they're just incredibly smart, intelligent, and connected to nature, to the universe. And probably on average, much more connected than we are. They even have elongated skulls, um, and probably harbor a much larger brain than the average human. I mean, Neanderthals definitely had a much larger brain than the average human does now. Um, to, say, to, to say that cavemen or Neanderthals were not as intelligent we were is, is just it's felonious. It's, there's nothing that really could support that. I mean, just because they don't drive around in cars and have tall buildings, that doesn't mean they're not you know, intelligent. And I mean, if that's, that's our marker for intelligence, you know, it's almost a cancerous one because it means the bigger the buildings, the bigger the houses the bigger the cars then the, the more intelligent and more smarter and more civilized but that's just can't be true it has to be people who are much more connected to nature much more connected to mother earth 
and that have a much more higher understanding of the universe. And I, and I definitely believe that. And I, the, these, these animals are built to be in the woods. They're built to walk in that rough terrain and have that hair on their bodies. And we've been disconnected, you know, and it's hard for us to believe in the wild people when we are so domesticated and um, we're so domesticated, we live on concrete and, and we don't really go out in the woods for long periods of time where we have to bring lots of stuff with us to get there. And, um, you know, to, to live in that environment for a long time where these animals are just living completely off the land and they're not, for the most part, it looks like they're not using any fires and they're not leaving any traces of themselves typically other than footprints. And I mean, that seems to be a hard concept for many people to understand is that they can only leave footprints. They don't leave uh, trash and garbage and, you know what I mean? Tents and pole. I mean, they're literally just so connected to the planet that they don't even need those things. Just like a, you know, a very organic, natural um, animal, wild animal that would be. So these are to me are wild people, but that doesn't mean like I said, less they're wild and free and more connected than we are. And I think that's really inspiring to be more like them, to be more connected to each other and not care about these other things that many of us usually seem to be caring about. But it's funny because if, if they're the wild people and we are, you know, these uh, domesticated, altered humans, then, then we've done exactly to the nature what was done to us. And we've taken wolves and created dogs. We've taken wildcats and created domesticated cats. And we're domesticating animals instead of them being wild and free. Just like we exactly what's been done to us, we're doing to the animals. And not only that, we're taking wild animals and putting them in zoos and cages. And so we can look at them, check them out. But, you know, people, a lot of times people don't believe in Sasquatch because you can't go see it at a zoo. But there are a lot of stories of people catching them, people having in carnivals. And I'll talk about some of those a little bit later, but there are stories of them being caught and, and, um, uh, not say domesticated, but definitely at least captured and kept for some periods of time. One of those stories is in Georgia, the country near Russia, where they did catch a female Sasquatch. They put her in a hole. They left her in there, you know, until she basically gave up her wildness. And then they kept her in a cage. I do know that they eventually would give her wine to drink and she would drink so much wine that she would get drunk. And then some of the neighboring village people would go in there and guys would actually supposedly have sex with her and she would have children and she would take those children down to the river and, um, get them in the river. It was so cold. It usually killed them. So eventually they would take those babies from her before she did that. And she did birth a, a several babies. And some of these people were bigger, hairier. Um, and there's record of these people actually, and somebody going in and doing DNA testing and showing that they did have Neanderthal DNA in them, which a small portion of humans definitely do. It's that's an obvious thing that Neanderthals and homo sapiens have, um, you know, um, uh, had sex and created offspring. And like I said, a, lot, a portion of our, of homo sapiens do have DNA and of Neanderthals in them. So, and they, the people that they tested definitely had that. And some of them had weird abilities, like they could, you know, a little bit stronger, a little bit more hair, a little less neck. Um, and um, that's, that's the story. And there's several stories of people having caught these things sometimes, sometimes and take them around to circuses or carnivals or whatever. And um, 
So it's not someone says, we've never seen one. We never caught one. Maybe you've never seen one. Maybe you never heard a story, but there are hundreds of stories throughout the ages of people seeing them documented people from Daniel Boone to people nowadays. And you just can't cut it off and say, well, I've never seen it. So it's not real. Or I never seen one in the zoo, you know, just because you haven't seen something in the zoo doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, but definitely these incredible beings are all around the globe and usually covered in hair, they're bigger bones that harbors the bigger muscles for them. So even, you know, a five or six or seven foot tall Sasquatch. And, you know, we have people that tall, but these things are going to be much stronger than any person because their bones are stronger uh, and that and more dense. And that way they are able to um, be stronger as well and harbor large muscles. Um, and again, they're walking around the forest all day. You know, they're not sitting on their couch and, you know, they're exercising and they're moving around and they're probably walking vast distances um, all the time. Here's a picture of that orang panic I was talking about earlier, Indonesia. Three foot tall, you know, sometimes they do see them in trees, but definitely usually more in groups when we see these guys. And um, they're pretty, you know, they're just smaller uh, Sasquatch type of people. They definitely live in the woods and, you know, very organic, very natural, um, uh, no fires or anything like that. And they are, you know, supernatural in some aspects. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about animals that are supernatural. They are beyond what we can do. And we think, you know, we're so advanced and we're so evolved and we can do all these things. And we understand so much, but I really believe if, you know, let's say half of people believe and half of people don't believe in these animals, all of their people believe in us. They know that we exist. And that's probably one of the first things that they're told is there's humans out there. We want you to see them. We want you to interact and they watch us, but they rarely let us see them, you know, like ninjas. They're just in the brush and they can move in and out so quickly and so fast and so quietly. And they have incredible abilities. I've, for what I've read and the things that I've studied, I do believe that they can mimic any animal in the forest. And again, I think they're supernatural, interdimensional. They can move uh, from dimension to dimension. And there's sometimes people say they shoot at them and they just disappear in a flash of light and they're gone. But they are physical. And they do leave a trace. One of the things that the biggest things that they leave is footprints. And a cool thing about footprints is whether it's a human or a gorilla or an ape, we all have dermal ridges. It's the same thing as your fingerprint, the little ridges on your fingerprint that make you unique. But everybody has similar, all homo sapiens have similar to, to classify you as a homo sapien, as opposed to, you know, chimpanzees or gorillas have um, dermal ridges on their fingerprints as well. But um, they they have some that, are, that show that they're chimpanzees, that show that they're gorillas. Why we have ones that are only associated with humans, but each one is different. Same thing with your feet. You have dermal ridges on your feet and their dermal ridges are different than homo sapien uh, dermal ridges. And one of the things that's cool, you see these toes on here in this picture is that the toes are really spread out. This seems to happen a lot, even for homo, uh, homo sapiens walk around the woods without shoes on all day. Your, your toes will spread out like that. And um, so it's just one of the things like if somebody's going around putting footprints in there, how are they getting dermal ridges on there that show animals that have prints on them that should not be something that someone could just make up? And they've been in Neanderthal caves. They have footprints of this is, you know, Neanderthal 
paintings and stuff on there. And of course, then they have these footprints and they, they look like Sasquatch footprints. They look like flat feet, you know, wider toes. Um, and, um, they don't look homo sapien like they look much flatter. And that brings us to Patty, the Roger Gimlin film, 1967. He goes out to make a video, make a movie about Sasquatches, and he finds one. And this is a female Sasquatch, which, you know, again, this this video has never been debunked because people said that they were person in the in the in the film, but no one's ever produced the um the costume. Of course, there is no person that's gonna produce a costume because I don't think there is one. When you watch Patty, as they call her in this movie that's just a few seconds long you watch her breast bounce up and down you see uh, she has a herniated herniated disc in her leg that pops as she walks um, her gait is different than a human she turns and looks and you can see the the hair on her side is much you know less and shorter than what's around her whole body um this is if this is a suit. This is the most incredible suit. I mean, there's this is the time where they're making Planet of the Apes. So there's nothing. This is way beyond anything probably that we're making today. Again, with the with the breast bouncing up and down as she walks. Um, this is an absolutely incredible. When you see her arm, she looks muscular. You can see her muscles ripping in her body as she walks. And her muscles are a little bit different than the Homo sapien muscles. Um, this is an incredible video. It's probably one of the best of all time. It's incredible that he got it in 67 and, and as good as he did. And I think we need to look at this with fresh eyes and not be so skeptical. I'm not saying look at everything and be like, oh, that definitely is one. We shouldn't look at anything so skeptical that we can't see the truth either. Look at it for what it is. Look at it for what it's worth um, and keep going and don't stop there and connect the dots. But this is one of the best ones. This video is absolutely incredible when you really take a second look at it. And the arms are way down next to her knees as those Cro-Magnon man Neanderthals are because they're much more primate-like than we are, much more gorilla-like in that way, that you know, and ours are much shorter. Again, we've been manipulated. We don't have um, the hair on our bodies yet. We have to wear clothes because we get cold. We don't have the vocalizations that these, these animals make. We don't have the muscles that these things have. And, um, we just can't cut it naturally as these animals do. And a lot of people are counting on that. A lot of people are counting that we're going to be domesticated folks that need us need water sent to them and electricity sent to them because we're so helpless and we're so, you know, domesticated that we need all these things. We're little babies in the world, you know, but these are the masters, the masters of life, the masters of the world. Uh, they don't need your life. They don't, they don't, they don't need your religion. They don't need your light beer. They don't need your politics. They like, we got, we got everything. We don't need anything from you guys. That's the ultimate badass as far as i'm concerned anybody who's completely independent on themselves without any you know suckling off the government like they're awesome this is exactly why they probably don't want you to know about these animals more than anything plus we would have to protect large areas of wilderness which we cut down all the time and here's an artist rendering of what patty looked like a drawing uh, of what they thought she probably looked like close up and it just it looks yes it's got that that gorilla type looking when you look in the eyes it looks you know like it's got intelligent it looks super intelligent and smart and all the things and we need to open up our eyes just a little bit and realize that um, these animals are incredible they are probably well more advanced than we are i mean a lot of times people see them getting in and off in and out of spaceships when you know lights in the sky happen they come down people say they see sasquatches get in and out of spacecraft i mean star wars is not a 
you know, crazy sci-fi movie. It's pretty much a documentary, you know, Chewie is the main character. And they definitely get in and out of those, of those craft. And there's just so many stories I could go on and on for hours and hours about just stories about, you know, people catching them. I mean, this is the Iceman, which went around in the carnival and he got shot with a shotgun just under his arm. And so they froze him. They take him around the, 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 the carnivals and the circuses and people look at him. And one thing that's hard when you have like wax dummies and stuff is to do hair and you stick hair and then you have to pull it out and just keep doing that to create all the hair on the body. Well, it creates a little hole in, in the body apparently when you do that. And so it's pretty easy to tell when something's fake because you're going to see all the holes from the hair. This animal didn't have that. It looked like it had been shot by a gun. No one could debunk it. And then all of a sudden, just one day, it just completely disappears. So there are stories of people who have caught live ones, people that have... Uh, shot them and displayed them and they're they're taken out they're taken away um once it's too much they people get rid of those things and i don't know if they pay somebody off if they steal it whatever but they're just gone uh, another one there was another circus where someone had a juvenile and they took it around and eventually it sounds like it got away on a train ride to one of the next cities and that to me is just you know wild that they somebody had a juvenile sasquatch taken around from circuses and back in like barnum bailey's day right in the circuses and stuff they they love that unique raw weird stuff and so that's the things that they displayed and um, that's what got people excited to come check them out and so that was one of the things that you know places and and events like that definitely loved and so this this is a picture of what i consider probably to be some of the best modern day pictures todd stand in canada he takes pictures of sasquatches and he is in canada right now trying to advocate for the protection of the species which i think is great uh, i don't think anybody should be shooting or killing them or you know doing anything to harm these animals so i i really really look up to him what he's doing but he's a he's a woodsman man he's out there and he's taking incredible pictures and i do believe what he's taking is real um he gets scrutinized a lot, but I, I definitely think that what he's showing is, is real. And he's showing not just pictures, but real time video images with these animals. And they're incredibly still and, you know, so still to be still for like a long time. And you can just barely see them blink their eyes sometimes, but they're there. And that is the secret to being a wild animal. When you go out to the wild animal, animals can be super still and quiet. And that is their advantage when you can't, they could be standing just 10, 20 feet in front of you and you can't even see them. Um, I've seen bighorn sheeps like that up in the mountains, uh, deer, elk. And it's like sometimes when they're in their element and they're quiet and they're like, they, you can't even tell that they're there. Um, and that is, I think, one of the things that they do. They can almost become literally the environment. I, that One of my favorite sayings and quotes is when you stare into the abyss and eventually you realize the abyss stares back. Um, they're staring at you they're, and they're there and they're watching and they're literally becoming like their environment. Um, and I think this is a juvenile one. Um, I think this is just a juvenile. You can see the black eyes. It's nocturnal. Um, they usually come out at night. This is obviously a daytime picture, but they're mostly out at night and they have black eyes. Um, except usually at night, usually at night, people say they see red glowing eyes um, and they have eye shine. So with us, we have to shine a flashlight on ours or any other animal to get those lights or you know, kind of red eyes that come out. Sasquatch is like two lit lanterns for eyeballs when they're looking around at night. And I do believe that's because even, you know, in the Bible says Christ would come back with red glowing eyes. And I think for the most part, these animals live in the Christ consciousness. They're very advanced. And 
they're able to see in the dark as well or better than we can see during the daytime. And that fire, that light that's in their eyes is their, their fire is built up, their passion, their compassion, their love, their fire in their bodies is built up such a high level and such a pure level that they can literally use that as a you know, supernatural power to be able to see in the dark. Again, better than I think that we can see um, during the daytime. And so when you look at pictures like this, you're like, wow, man, that is, if that is fake, that is a super incredible picture. Um, here's one of what's called the swamp ape in Florida, where a woman had reported seeing, uh, you know, seeing this animal doing things to her house and finally gets a good picture of it. They see the eyes shining out there. It's almost got this like really sinister grin on there, you know, looking, but the swamp apes are a little bit smaller. They're usually five to six feet, longer hair, smell terrible. Um, they're not the big ones that we see in other places. Again, different places have different sizes, different environments that they like, that they enjoy. The swamp ape is definitely a smaller uh, cryptid. And then here's a trail cam of what looks like a Sasquatch bending over to pick something up. Again, you can see the kind of thinness of the hair in certain places. And if it's a suit, it's a really good suit. It's a great suit. Um, when you can see the thin hair and, um, you know, and see some of the muscles and things like that. Um, and in the Bible, there have been many, many instances of, of hairy men, giant monsters that have been in, in those stories and all kinds of other cultures around the world. It is something that is in almost every culture that we see. Um, you know, again, there are certain places where things are not seen like Hawaii. Nobody ever sees a Sasquatch in Hawaii. And that, that kind of breaks the the thought that, okay, people are hallucinating. If they're hallucinating, how come they don't see them in Hawaii? If they're hallucinating, they should be hallucinating in every place all around the globe and see the same thing, at least some point everywhere, but they only see them in certain places, especially high precipitation, especially different times of the year. I believe um, kind of October to March is our best time to see a Sasquatch because that's when things are really cold. They're probably down a little bit in elevation to find food and uh, as opposed to in the summertime, they're much higher and we're not up there. So um, there shouldn't be uh, coincidences like that or just findings of certain data that consistently happens across the board for sightings. If it's just something that's fake, then there should be just random data everywhere. But everywhere we look, it's just data that says you know, precipitation, times of the month. I mean, it's just times of the year. Sorry. Um, well, we're going to see these things more often than not. And again, the Yeti is one and, and, you know, different environments, you know, seems like the, some of the ones live up in colder environments have longer hair than some of the ones in uh, America, um, but always similar, you know, big muscles, hairy animals. Um, and there's just, I mean, and people say, you know, what, besides, you know, dermorrhages and stuff, is there DNA evidence? Heck yeah, there's DNA evidence. There's literally hair and scat that's been found that's been analyzed dna evidence that comes back with a primate that's not human that's not any gorilla or anything on the planet there's literally dna evidence suggests that there's an unclassified animal 100 we were to take it to court today and say here's dna evidence of an animal that's not classified someone saw a sasquatch before this they saw him run into this tree this is the hair off that tree you'd have to you'd have to say 100 like that's it. Case closed. It's over. Um, there's literally DNA evidence. There's vocalizations of, of, of that are done that can't be done by any other animal. Um, and there's just so many stories. Um, 
we just have to get over, you know, I haven't seen it, so I can't believe it. I mean, believing is seeing, not the other way around. You have to like really look at the information and ask the universe to give you the breadcrumbs to line up, give me the truth, whatever it is. But I can promise you, there are much more incredible things going on on this planet than anybody's ever told us, much more. And this is Jeff Meldrum, who is one of the leading Sasquatch researchers. And this is just a fake, basically uh, Sasquatch skeleton that he made just to show something that's eight feet tall and big. And I think it's just a cool picture. It's not a real skeleton, obviously, but just to show you what something like this looks like with the hands all the way down, big hands, the big bones, big heads, and what something like that, you know, what it would look like close up. And I think these things are monsters. And, you know, I, anybody says, you know, how come there's not, there's a lot of great videos out there, but if somebody saw an eight or a nine foot tall monster gorilla man out there, I'm, you know, most folks are not looking for their phone. <laughs> You're not looking looking for uh how can i get this i mean some people describe the growl as an elephant and a lion and tiger all at one time and you know these things are scary and before people even see them or smell them a lot of people report that the all the hair on their bodies is standing straight up on them and they're terrified and they get out of there before they even see or hear or smell anything which you know just goes to show you like you are kind of wired to be afraid of this thing, you know, just like I, hear, I heard Joe Rogan one time talking about, I was on a dog, went to a dog park and somebody brought a wolf out there. And most of these dogs have never, ever seen a wolf. No one's ever told a dog about a wolf, but as soon as a wolf steps out there, all the dogs run away and their tails go under them, go under them. And they're terrified. You know what I mean? They innately know that's the wild guy and he will kill us and eat us. You know, he's the one to fear. He's that powerful. He's that strong. Um, even wolves that, you know, they're not hundred percent. I think most people can only have 90, 95%, but when they come out on the dog part, most of the other dogs know, and they run away scared, even the little ones to the big ones. And here's just some AI renderings of Sasquatch people I thought were cool to share walking through the woods with those big arms, big legs, big chest. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool because a lot of them, people do say they look ape-like, they look monkey-like, but to be honest, there are a lot of people who say there are some that looked more as human as they could look, um, that they were, you know, really human-like, they had really human-like faces. And, um, that's definitely the thing that people notice is that some look more ape-like, some look more human-like, some have a little bit more longer hair, some have less hair. They vary from you know, from area to area and sightings that people have, you know, just like people vary with varying skin color and hair color and height and width and, and all the things. So, you know, and then Asian people look different than Caucasians and, you know, every, and everybody else. So in the, in the, in the huge greatness of diversity that we as humans, homo sapiens have, they have that same diversity in, in the Sasquatch people, I do believe in, in, in their family uh, and their species. Um, which is their, which is their, their strength, you know, to have smaller ones and big ones. And, and, you know, just as the way, same thing as for us, it is our greatest strength to have diversity, but some reports again, like some of the places in Russia where they have, uh, um, yetis, some people say dude, that thing looked like a caveman. It looked like a Neanderthal. And, and so those are the differences that we see sometimes with, um, the Sasquatches and Yetis and, and there are differences and they're not all the same. They're not all this brown or black, you know, big looking men. Some of them are women and some of are females and some of them are, 
younger juveniles and 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 smaller monkey looking animals that are you know smaller babies and stuff but they do grow up to be these really large uh, sometimes 10 feet or more sometimes you know i've heard 13 14 15 feet i think there are there are beings out there on this planet that are 15 or 20 probably even more larger than that and that is my opinion i believe but i do believe there are some highly high dimensional beings that are very humongous on this planet and um you know people have seen some that are 10 feet plus and reports of huge huge wild men but again just because they're wild people doesn't mean that they are any less intelligent i think they're much more intelligent much more connected there's a lot of evidence to support these guys and and females and um you know it's one of the most incredible things and if we can just open our mind to this mystery alone it helps you realize the reason i use this one as much for the for the information is because there is so much good information dna evidence dermal ridges um you know the vocalizations um the the places that they make the pictures the videos the legends the stories um there's so much good evidence on this one it helps to see the other ones that don't have as good evidence that they can be real too if there's eight nine ten feet tall hominids on this planet that's incredible you know people are always saying i wonder if we're alone in this universe dude we're not alone on this planet <laughs> there's a lot of things a lot of crazy things we'll get into some more but anyway sasquatch is the guardian of the forest can mimic all the animals he's you know incredibly in tune and um i believe the animals love him and you know they do eat other animals of course but not more than they need just in balance with nature and they are super spiritually connected, interdimensional type beings that are far beyond what we can do. Well, well, we can do those things. We just don't, most of us don't believe it. We don't know it. I think there are human beings on this planet that are interdimensional and magical and can do much more than what uh, we've been told uh, is possible. So that's the first one I want to, I wanted to just let you guys know the cryptid, um, one of my favorite ones, Sasquatch people. It's incredibly amazing. And, um, the reason why I use it is because there's so much good evidence. So we can go to something like this, the next one, the mermaid sirens and know that if the Sasquatch people are real and there's so much good evidence is, you know, there's not as much good evidence on a mermaid, but certainly I do believe that mermaids do exist. And there are cave drawings. Probably most of us have seen that. I think it's a mockumentary on animal planet. One of the biggest one things I've ever showed the most views and they say it's fake and that's totally fine. Um, but there are some good information on there where there are cave drawings of mermaids uh, around the world. And I think that's something to take for what it's worth that. Why would somebody spend so much time drawing these things? If it wasn't real, why would there be so many legends around the world? I mean, mermaids date back to ancient Babylon um, deities like Onanus and Triton and Hindus worship mermaid goddesses and, natives famous explorers like henry hudson have all reported seeing uh mermaids and that is pretty cool i mean the philistines and other people in the bible worship the dagon the half man half fish guy you know and um there's just so much good information on these creatures that explorers and people have seen them for long periods of time and for us to just dismiss it and say oh no that's just not real you know, give it its due diligence, look it up, go look up some information, go look at all around the world, these incredible drawings and paintings and people spending, you know, their time to draw these things and to, 
you know, kind of leave a memory for us to remember, Hey, don't forget guys. Don't forget. No matter what they do to us, don't forget the cryptids. Don't forget the wild people. Don't forget where you came from, who we really are, the magic inside of us, the power that we all possess. Don't forget that stuff, you know, and, and people did put those things in, in uh, painting stuff or hopefully I think to, for us to remember. Um, and there are a lot of good info. There's a lot of good information about it. Um, in 1493, um, this guy saw Columbus saw three mermaids near Dominican Republican, uh, Dominican Republic that he saw. Uh, I think that's an incredible story. And there was this one guy um, in, oh, where was it? Um, I got it written down somewhere, but I can't find it. Anyway, one guy who said he captured one, I believe, and it was in India. And he drew this a picture similar to this one with the mermaid, a female mermaid with a long tail. Uh, it's said in his story that the mermaid then refused to eat. And after a couple of days, she died. I thought that was pretty cool that even a wild animal, even if it was caught, it's not going to, I'm not going to stay your pet. I'm not going to live in your cage. Um, I think that's pretty incredible. There have been, you know, uh, Dagoon, that's the, you know, the, the half man, half fish God from the Bible the Philistines and other people worshiped him. Um, this one was, this picture was from Hawaii in a guy that they, there's a legend of my mermaid there. Um, he sees that he takes pictures of it. Over 10 other people in 1998 saw this, this mermaid and all saw it. The same thing. They, he let people look at his, his pictures and nobody could debunk it. Um, you know, just a cool story, whether it's true or not. I mean, nobody could debunk his pictures. And one of the cool things about, you know, these, these mermaids is usually they're very, sometimes very attractive. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they seem to be really positive and, and beautiful. And sometimes they're not. And I think, you know, that's fine. Good days and bad days. And if you're a wild animal that doesn't want to be seen, doesn't want to be caught and you, somebody sees you, sometimes it's probably good to stir up a little fear in them. So they'll leave you alone. They'll stay their distance. I think the Sasquatch people do the same thing. You know, don't come in my in my land don't come in my territory you know i'm gonna scare these people out don't you know don't try to bother me and i'm in my my living room my my place that i'm living um and i think sometimes these mermaids maybe do the same thing sometimes there are legends of certain ones that are more scarier than others and um and some that are you know more benevolent and nice and and, and beautiful sometimes people say they see them they look so beautiful look more beautiful than any person that they could ever see um and there are mermaids just like uh, i told you some other stories where they're literally taken around and exhibits and shown for a couple of years the fiji mermaid and then all of a sudden it's gone it just disappears like what happened to it and there are these kind of stories of around alaska and the arctic where you have these um qua let's say qualu it's hard to say um quala um qualupalik qualupalik i think that's how you say it anyway this is a kind of a, a female two-legged one-tail mermaid um which is a little different than some of the stories that we've heard before but there are kind of two-legged tailed mermaids and she kind of has this bag and they say if you get too close kids get too close she will take kids and eat them and that's how she stays living forever is eating kids and so they tell that story to their kids to keep them away and keep them you know um, aware to be aware and this is a story of 
the people who see this thing today. Some not too long, a couple of years ago, some guy and his girlfriend, he's out in the water off the coast of Alaska. He gets pulled under his girlfriend, sees a green tail and a green foot. And, you know, he was like, I can't explain what pulled me under. So um, there are incredible stories today of, in, of animals and mermaids and mermen and, and things that have do have feet and legs and tails that still at least live in the water and look drastically different from regular homo sapiens. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're doing incredible things. They're, they're swimming and keeping up with dolphins and they're turning into seals and they're turning. Sometimes they turn into people like the story of a little mermaid where they actually do turn into people. And when they do turn to people, they do look so beautiful that, you know, they're irresistible to some folks. Um, People have even taken videos in cenotes of Mexico of mermaids swimming in the cenotes. Um, and again, they're magical. Sometimes they're a little bit evilish. Um, and again, they may be there just they may be trying to scare people. Um some people have claimed to caught to catch them. And, and and like I said, there are a lot of stories. So what I think is really important in talking about all this is there's no tangible evidence that you can show somebody. I mean, you can always say that video isn't real or that legend is just a story. But when you add them all up across the board from ancient Babylon to now, people are still seeing them today. I, what I believe is, is that people's imaginations were much more incredible and vast in the past. And as we become older or, or you know, as we come through the ages and we're more programmed and, and told what to think more and stay in the domesticated side of things and don't really see the wild part of the of our imagination and the depths of reality we're scared to think that those things are real and just don't even give it any time of day to even really consider it but there are incredible stories that have lasted throughout the ages and still today and people are enamored with it because i think deep down in our subconscious we know that those things are real. We absolutely know it. And it, and that's why kids love it. They love stuff like that. They love magical creatures like unicorns and dinosaurs and all those kind of things. Um, upon looking at a unicorn, there are things that I did a little research on. I didn't know about unicorns. And really, honestly, for the most part, a lot of the legends talk about unicorns not being this big, beautiful stallion, white stallion, but different colors. Um, sometimes goat or, you know, like a jackass type, smaller, you know, goat beards, kind of long, almost like lion tails with little, little fizz on the, on the fuzz on the bottom of it. But, you know, more goaty, like more small, um, and, you know, not these big, beautiful stallions sometimes, but always again with the horn and, um, you know, they symbolize purity and grace. And sometimes they have split hooves and goat beards and, um, they're always described as extremely wild woodland creatures. Um, they are, they are pure and some, a lot of times they say they can only be captured by a virgin. And I think that necessarily means that somebody who has to have someone who's never had sex, but someone who's really pure in their mind and thoughts, someone who is a Christ or a Buddha or a Krishna who, uh, has mastered that and discipline and, and not, you know, desiring people and lusting over people, you know, that kind of purity, I think they were talking about, but that's what they say, you know, only they can only be captured by a virgin. So a lot of the painting stuff that you see will be these beautiful, um, young women who that these things are sitting with. Um, but they are, you know, they're throughout history, just like every other story I'm telling you guys over and over again. And not only do they have legends, but one of the cool things is, you know, people said, if, if you got a horn 
you know, that was like a magic wand and it could purify poison water and it could heal sicknesses and it could do all these crazy things. And, you know, different parts of the animal, if you'd eat them, could make you live forever and all these incredible stories. And I think that's quite a thing too, to say, you know, if you got part of these animals, you know, then these, these magical things would happen for you. And I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Part of the story is not just that, uh, their stories, but like parts of the animal would do different things. So are they just uh, uh, making these things totally up or is there some truth to these stories? And um, one of the things is in the Hebrew Bible and people say there's no, there's no unicorns in the Bible, not the word unicorn, but the word Reim is in the Hebrew Bible. And it's mentioned nine times and is translated as unicorn, sometimes rhino, but unicorn for sure. And is is best known as it's best known that it really is something that is in those stories, but names have been changed. There's some things written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And so you can't just say, well, it's not in there. It, there are actually people that say that, yes, Reem is a unicorn name and it is in the Bible. And they're known all around the world again, symbol in Scotland, the unicorn is believed to be the natural enemy of the lion. And so their emblems are on, um, you know, their crests and stuff like that. And they're just stories and legends and tales throughout history of these incredible creatures. And, and that's where we have to, again, we have to say, Oh man, are these, these stories are these, are these things that are just made up and they're on, Babylonian seals and you know and 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 stories everywhere and we just we just can't say that these things are not real um too many legends too many stories uh it's just an incredible thing to me personally if we think about reality as this multi-dimensional high you know high points and low points and everywhere in between these animals live in these higher dimensions i mean and it's not to say that how did these things evolve? We have to figure out how they evolve so we can know how they exist. Like now to get off of that, realize that it doesn't matter how they came evolved. I mean, it could be a literally an enlightened horse for all we know. It'd be like the Buddha of a horse or the Christ horse. You know what I mean? Who cares? But at the end of the day, this is a magical creature who is, is, is far beyond, you know, probably the average human being, uh, it's intellect, it's spirituality, and probably some of us have literally been unicorns. And then as the fall from grace of these incredibly divine creatures, we fall to humans and, and we go through that kind of dark period to learn the contrast to become beautiful spiritual beings again. But these animals um, all over the place, all over the cultures, um, and one of the things that was pretty cool, I realized they had split hooves. And like I said, it's just not, they're more kind of goatee like sometimes than these big, beautiful white unicorns that we see today. But maybe they've evolved into that now. I don't know. <laughs> and this is a um, kind of mosaic from 12, 13 um, in Ravienna of, of a unicorn. So they're just, they're absolutely everywhere and throughout history. But one of the pictures that I saw that really kind of grabbed me, grabbed my attention was this picture. And this was this trapped unicorn in a fence and 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 that's it right at the minute we see something magical something incredible we want to cage it we want to lock it up we want to hold it we want to obtain it and no wonder these incredible these incredible spiritual animals don't want us don't want to be caught they don't want to be caged they don't want to be found so they become more elusive. They they don't let us see them as much anymore. And you know, it's and our imaginations have dwindled to that of nothing. And so we can't imagine that these things still exist. So we're not going to see them. 
You know what I mean? We have to start to open our pineal gland again. We have to start realizing that these higher dimensional creatures are all around us. There's angels all around us and there's incredible things all around us all the time. We're just not seeing it with our eyes. I think we start to fill it with our heart first and then we can really start to open up and we can start to kind of meld into the ether of all that is available to us. But certainly I think now in this time of in history, our evolution is speeding up. Our imaginations are turning back on and we are going to start seeing these creatures, but you're not going to see them probably in your living room. You're, you know, I've heard people say they've been in, you know, big, nice houses and forests and stuff where they saw Sasquatch walk through because they can walk through a house if they wanted to, uh, not physically, but like interdimensionally. Um, and I've experienced something similar to that, but they, you know, we have to be open. We have to change our mind. We have to change the way we think. And everything that we're told is in these little books. It's not. But, you know, again, if we're going to lock everything up and cage it, then those things don't want to be caged. And they're going to be wild and free. And they're going to run from us. So moving on, unicorns, super awesome. And there are a lot of creatures that, that we find sometimes, cryptids that have one horn, which is pretty cool. We'll talk about another one later. But here's one I want to move to really quick. I don't have a lot on this one because it's kind of like a new one um, and, and there's not a lot of information on it, but it's one of my favorites and it's super weird. And, you know, pictures that I'm showing are not going to do it. Sadly, it's pixelated for some reason on the version that came through to my computer. Oh, yeah, I can't even see it. Um, so, yeah, basically what we got here is like a little compass. Um, it looks like a compass walking around and what people are calling these things are night crawlers. They're first seen in Fresno. So sometimes people are calling them Fresno night crawlers, um, sometimes in Yosemite, but one of the first documented times, I think it was in 2007, this guy's dog is barking. He puts a security camera up. He wants to catch some kind of, you know, weird animal or a person or something. He catches this weird thing walking in a way that looks like a compass and it's bending its knees and it doesn't have a body or arms, just head and legs. And so they take this video and there's another video that comes out in Yosemite where there's two of them. There's a bigger one, the small one looks like a mom or a dad and a baby. And they're walking and they're walking with their body back and their legs forward and they're bending in a gate. That's again, it's really be tough to do, I think, since for someone to make it up. So the TV show Factor Fake, you know, picks it up. They try to discredit the video. They can't do it. They try to remake the video themselves and they can't remake it. Um, so they can't prove it was fake. Um, and, you know, have to say like they think it's a real video and they don't know what it is. Well, pretty cool. And I think that was pretty neat just in itself. And I've watched a lot of videos on it. But one thing most videos don't really talk about is that the native people in that area in Yosemite and stuff have literally built, you know, these um, statues showing these nightcrawler people who they say, some of them say are extraterrestrials from a kind of a swampy, boggy planet. That's why they can walk the way they do and, 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 and walk around better. But these are like highly spiritually animals that help us awaken and, and help us get connected to nature that they are from off planet, whether they are from another planet or not, I think is absolutely awesome that there are these creatures found. And there are a couple other places where people have seen similar stuff, but for the most part, these white walking compass looking guys with legs and a head, um, mostly seen in the California area from Fresno and Yosemite. Very, very cool. Very neat. Um, like I said, you don't see that very many other places been some stuff kind of close, but you know, again, they say this is a creature that 
is here to connect us. It's here to help us wake up. It's here to get us connected back to nature. And I think that's super cool. And they almost kind of, there's no, you know, reports of them being angry or mean or ferocious or anything like that. You know, I would love to see one of these things in the wild. Uh, I think you're talking about something that may look as crazy as something from Alice in Wonderland from your wildest imagination and maybe something that's really cool, you know, and something that is kind of benign and, and beautiful and wonderful as a unicorn or something, just not a cryptid that we normally see. It's something I just wanted to throw out there because I thought it would be fun. I thought you guys would enjoy it. But that brings me to the next cryptid, which is probably one of our most famous cryptids of all time. Nessie. You guys all know Nessie. Probably some lesser ones that you probably don't know about. It would be Champ from Lake Champagne and Ogopogo are two similar creatures where they are said to be like plesiosaur type creatures. You know, sadly, that that last picture, the surgeon picture, they say after overtime has been uh, something that's fake. And it probably is. You know, I don't show you pictures to make you believe things, but the legend is true. You know, the legend, this legend holds for a long time and Loch Ness in that area around it has always been a high uh, energy place where lots of incredible things have happened. And um, I think that's something to know is a lot of times we see these places, they see these cryptids in places that are high, significant kind of holy places or holy ground or, um, you know, vortex places. And, you know, the things are a little bit easier to pop in and out of. And that's one of the things I do believe is I don't believe personally that there is a family of 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 plesiosaurs that have survived millions of years I, I do believe actually that you know in the inner earth the dinosaurs are very prevalent and um you know they come in and out of cave systems and stuff and vortexes and portals uh and that's why sometimes we don't see them for very long periods of time you see them few people see them and then they're gone they dematerialize maybe they don't belong here they don't want to be here they don't want to be seen and they go back to where they came from um either through portals or de dematerializing just like if someone was to go through the Bermuda triangle i think if people disappear in there they go to a time and a place that they're not supposed to exist and they dematerialize and then you know it sounds kind of sucks but you know you die you, you reborn you do something over you learn something whatever it's just an experience keep going don't get stuck on the death part death is birth so anyways, I don't believe that there's a family of plesiosaurs out there that that live in these areas in Lake Champaign and Loch Ness. I believe that they do come through portals and uh, inner earth sometimes, and they're here for a short amount of time. Um, this is Champ. This is one of the best pictures of all time, I think, of what we call the plesiosaur. She said this thing rose like about six feet above the ground out of its head, and the body was you know like eight, eight to ten feet or something like that. Um, so pretty big animal overall, great picture that she took. Nobody can debunk it. Um, some people say it's log or whatever. Definitely. You know, just that neck alone doesn't look log like to me could be, but this lady said her family, her, her husband and her kids, and they all saw it for five or six minutes. She snapped this picture and said, she wouldn't even have told the story had she not had the picture. And I think a lot of people who probably see these things don't tell the stories of Sasquatches and mermaids and Loch Ness, because who's going to believe you, you know, people are going to call you crazy. Um, and it's just not worth it sometimes. And you might tell your closest friends, but a lot of these stories and these sightings probably never get out. So what we have are hundreds or you know, thousands could be much, much, much more throughout history of these incredible documentations of these sightings. Um, but yeah, a lot of these people, they go back. I mean, even 
Lake Champagne, uh, 1609, Samuel D. D. Champlain. He said he saw eight to 10 feet with scales and double rows of teeth. And, you know, that's what he claimed. And, and so since the lake has been named for this explorer guy, they've literally, people have seen it. And sometimes sightings up to 25 or 30 feet, almost capsizing boats, numerous witnesses. Um, one lady even said that she found in Lake Champagne, uh, echolocation, which is only done by like whales and dolphins. I and mean, she, she shows this echolocation and she says, this thing is highly intelligent and you know, there's no whales and no dolphins in Lake Champagne. So what is making these echolocations? Um, it's just fascinating stuff. And like I said, one thing is good, but when you have coincidence or, you know, coincidence after uh, over and over and over again, or anomaly, anomaly after no more again, over again, you have to ask yourself eventually, like, you know, one or two is one thing when it just keeps happening. Um, you know, have to, you know, have to like, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And I mean, I I learned this in the little bit of study that I did on these things and the 40 to 60 degrees North lines of latitude, 40 to 60 degrees north lines of latitude in the northern hemisphere is like the lake monster belt. So that little belt across the planet is where we see almost all the lake monsters. Like this temperature is like the best place or this area or this line, I think. Uh, and that goes along with kind of like the grid and the ley lines of the planet. There are certain places we're going to see certain things. And that's certainly where we see these incredible Lake monsters are sea dragons or whatever you want to call them, but there seem to be on this, you know, this line across the planet. That's um, pretty obvious for people to see water horses. I guess some people call them. Um, all I know is I would absolutely love to see this. Um, I think it would be incredible. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just, it makes me realize, you know, the universe is so much more incredible than we could possibly imagine. And I'm thankful right now saying this, that we don't have this really bland, you know, unimaginable universe. It's there's everything's possible. All things are out there. Everything that you can imagine and beyond that is out there. And that's a cool part, you know, of the, of this universe is that there are so many incredible things and we're not even talking about the tip of the iceberg here. There's so many other cool things. And that brings us to the Thunderbird um, legend, which is, you know, again, another one of my favorites uh, talk about mostly in the Southwest here in America, but definitely stretches North of that. Um, the Thunderbird uh, is frequently depicted in art songs and oral histories of many Pacific Northwest coast cultures, but is also found in various forms among some people of the American Southwest East coast of the United States, great lakes and great plains. Um, one of the coolest stories that I heard about, um, and sometimes people say they look like giant birds and sometimes we talk about, um, pterodactyls and I, and I think could be both. I never say it's this or that. I always, I like to, it could be both. You never know what could come through a portal. But one of the craziest stories I found was in April 26, 1880 in Tombstone, Arizona. Yes. The okay. Corral city. Um, there's a newspaper that printed, uh, a startling report that two cowboys saw a giant bird outside of town, shot it, carried it into a gigantic carcass into tombstone. The creature's wingspan, they said, was an alarming 160 feet, which is, I don't even know, how would you carry that thing? <laughs> 92 feet long and had a head that was eight feet long and had no feathers, but a smooth skin and wing flaps composed of a thick and nearly transparent membrane, easily penetrated by a bullet. 
and now I can't, I don't even know how you would move something that big, but that's a story out of tombstone. Um, and maybe it was just a legend, but they said that there was a picture, you know, nobody knows where the picture is anymore again with a lot of these things. So I think all these pictures I'm showing you are fake. Uh, I think they're just fun to imagine, but I do think that people do now report seeing pterodactyls in those areas. And again, to me, uh, come through a portal, a pterodactyl is here, picks up somebody, eats something, flies around, people spot it. Maybe in a couple minutes, hours, it's gone. Um, and there's no trace. It dematerializes. It's not supposed to be here. Um, and so it, it doesn't exist in here. And our reality, our imaginations are so poor, we can't see it. But, you know, just like, kind of like uh, channels, right? So I was talking about like just dimensions. So think about it as like channels on the TV. When you're watching back in the day, when I grew up, they had like rabbit ears. You could watch channel 36 and you could see a little bit of 35 on there, you know, sometimes. And they would just kind of come through and a little bit, you could see an arm or a leg or a head sometimes. You could see other channels kind of coming through your channel because you didn't have a really clear reception. I think maybe that's what's happening sometimes. You're just seeing something that is real. It, it, it is something that's valid. Um, but it just doesn't exist in this channel. And so, you know, you see it for a second, it disappears, it's gone, but I wouldn't discredit. There are a lot of um, scenarios I think that could be real and authentic. And we shouldn't just say, oh, that's a dinosaur that lived 65 million years ago. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say that, that those people are um, telling the truth. I mean, why not? I mean, I, I don't think most people would want to tell that story because most people, I think they're going to believe anybody, but certainly we have to just be open to different um scenarios of how these things could be real instead of just saying well if it's real it has to be this like who cares how it is it's just the fact that it's there is cool enough for me and i think sometimes that's what we always should be open to is that these things could be real and these sightings could be there and that if pterodactyls are happening and um you know plesiosaurs are happening then then we've got another another instance of a story in the congo where people call it Michele and bimbe which literally means the one who stops the flow of rivers is basically a mythical water dwelling entity that supposedly lives in the Congo, right? And sometimes described as a living creature, sometimes as a spirit, but basically a sauropod, which is a four legged, kind of like a brontosaurus, but smaller with a long tail, long neck, you know, kind of the snake like head on top. And um, people literally say they mostly see in the water, but they say it's a plant eater. But they say, if you're in a canoe, watch out because that thing will come after you and turn them over, but it won't eat people. So I think that's pretty, pretty cool story. It's like, yeah, it will come after you. It will, you know, stomp your canoe out, but it won't eat people. But they do show footprints of it. These people are illiterate. And so when people go in there, explorers ask what they're seeing and they point to these dinosaurs and say, this is what we saw. They always point to sauropods. And I think that's incredible that no matter the fact that these people have never read a book or can't read books and don't have books that so they would point to the same thing over and over again and describe the same creatures. Um, you know, these large uh, quadrupeds, herbivores with smooth skin, a long neck. And then a lot of times people say they see a tooth on it. Like it has like a horn, like a single horn or a tooth on the end of its head, which is something that they say they see a lot of. And I think that in itself is pretty incredible as well. Um, that the same things are seen by people who don't know each other, uh, but in the same kind of stories. And again, um, maybe it comes out of a cave, maybe there's portals, but the fact that certain things, they don't see you know, this and then all of a sudden see a T-Rex or see a pterodactyl. They see this thing over and over again. 
Um, so I, you know, I think there's a lot of credit to that when you say, you see that people say they see the same things over again for long periods of time. So that brings us to the fact that there are dinosaurs literally that are seen on our planet regularly. And, you know, we have to be open to how this is possible. And I just don't think that the the story of 65 million years ago was the last dinosaurs here. That's it. Because the fact is, is that there are stories and pictures of dinosaurs all over the place. Um, and Angkor Wat, there's a stegosaurus on one of the temples there, um, even in the Bible. It literally talks about behemoths and people say, well, the dinosaurs are in the bottle. Well, they are, but the word dinosaur didn't come about so very recently. And so there was no word for dinosaur when the Bible was written, but it literally says behemoth, which means look now at behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now his strength is in his hips and his power in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar, like a cedar tree. Um, Oh, I can't even really read that one. So the, the sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze. His ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Like literally talking about this thing being massive. I don't think there's anything on the planet, not even an elephant that this described because an elephant has a very, very small tail. This thing said it was, you know, gigantic, big thighs, big thighs, like beams of bronze, ribs of iron, and it has the tail of a cedar tree. That's not an elephant. That's something bigger and stronger and, and, and more incredible than an elephant. And so that to me is, is really incredible uh, description. And the word behemoth is used a couple of times in descriptions like these are saying, um, but that story's in the Bible, which is something that was only written relatively recently but we know they're retelling the stories and so what it's saying to me is that humans were on the planet at the same time as dinosaurs and yes i'm saying that i 100 believe that humans and dinosaurs have coexisted and i'm not talking about just the anatol type people i'm talking about the homo sapien type ones too um and one of the best um evidences for that is the eco stones in Peru, there's a flood that happens. This illiterate farmer who can't read or write finds, I think, 15,000 stones with dinosaurs on them. There's pictures of heart and brain surgeries, people who are holding telescopes, dinosaurs. Um, this one does kind of look like a hairy man. If you look at the guy in front of the dinosaur, it does look like a kind of a hairy man. This one is a is a guy's two guys attacking a dinosaur, which could be maybe a T-Rex or something like that, kind of a two-leg you know, small arms standing upright dinosaur, but two guys, you know, kind of fighting a dinosaur, literally pictures of upright walking dinosaurs, you know, brontosauruses, sauropods, uh, stegosaurus, triceratops, all of them. And it's like, what? That's crazy. The, I mean, there's no telling how old these things are. You can't date rock, but the fact that there's this, I mean, I don't know how long it would take to carve one of these things. It looks like it's, it would take you more than a day or so, but 15,000, you're talking about years. If you carved one a day, 365, you know, a year, I mean, you're talking about a massive amount of work and this guy's a farmer. He works all day as a farmer. So I don't believe it's hooked. I think this is the real deal. Um, these are pretty incredible. And here's one where a guy's smoking his pipe and he's riding a stegosaurus. And I mean, you know, there's, sh there shouldn't be, this guy's illiterate. He shouldn't be able to, to, draw right a stegosaurus that's you know kind of atomically correct upright walking and for what reason would you put a guy riding it on there it just makes no sense you know 
unless this is something real that somebody saw, which I do 100% believe. And I do believe that dinosaurs are actually much more intelligent than we give credit to. I think that they are highly intelligent, highly evolved spiritual beings as well. And that many of them still do live in earth. And there are stegosaurus and triceratopses and trinosaurus rexes that are still alive on this planet inside the inner earth. I do believe that. Call me crazy, whatever you want to, but that's my opinion. And again, there are lots of these cool pictures of dinosaurs, surgeries, telescopes, all of them. And even one, probably the ultimate cryptid, yeah, the dragon. I think if if Sasquatch is a staple cryptid of cryptozoology, the dragon is probably the ultimate, you know, powerful cryptid of all time. It is the one where we've seen all over the world, you know, a lot of people represent it with mostly China, but man, dragons all over the world, literally. Um, huge serpent, everybody knows that, but the dragon that we think of today with a big fat body isn't normally what history kind of tells. History does kind of tell of a more of a skinny, uh, skinny bodied animal, but definitely huge serpent, draconian uh, creatures that appear virtually on every uh, continent, all cultures around the globe. And the earliest attested reports of draconic creatures resemble giant snakes. They ate livestock. Um, people use parts of them for medicinal purposes, you know, just like the unicorn. So again, like a dragon horn was something that was magical to have, you know, if you ate dragon brain or heart, like it was something that, you know, could heal, had healing properties. Um, all these things, again, stories that go along with this thing that just makes it, you know, something incredible. Um, this is one I found absolutely, um, amazing this is on a gate this is on ishtar's gate from the city of babylon and this one is really cool because the tail is something different than you would think on a dragon it looks almost doggish but it has the head of like a snake it has the front paws of a lion and the back legs of a bird um just just wild right just not even what you would think a dragon to be um, and i think again some of us kind of been washed throughout time but the historical accounts suggest really wild and crazy looking creatures that you know, almost always breathe fire and those kind of things that sometimes fly around, but definitely just wild and crazy things. Um, even Marco Polo wrote of dragons. Um, and, and again, a lot of these, I love the one with the eyes on them because it makes me feel like there's something, especially with the wings. Cause when I, I went to Edouard Indian mounts, the, the bird man who has wings on them, has eyeballs in it. And, you know, when we see DMT type artwork, we always see the eyeballs on them. So these things again are very highly attuned spiritual animals, you know, that are, you know, some, some may be negative, definitely negative spoken to spoken about by negative ways. And some, you know, more positive, you know, kind of the yin and the yang. Of, of incredible creatures but the dragon is something that is definitely talked about in all cultures and even in the bible leviathan is a sea serpent noted in theology and mythology and in the bible it is referred to in several books of the hebrew bible there are dragons um called rahab and tiamat and they're often represented by the devil which i think is you know as as again stories that i have to think about um and this one, uh, the sc scales, this was from Job, I believe. The scales on its back are like rows of shields. When it raises itself up, the gods are afraid. From its mouth, flaming torches, sparks of fire leap out. From its nostrils comes smoke, as from a boiling point at 
and burning rushes. His breathe, its breath kindly coals, kindles coals, sorry, its breath kindles coals and a flame comes out of its mouth. I mean, that is just, you know, you can't just say that they don't exist. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the one legend that just doesn't go away. And, but this one is an exciting that people see and talk about a lot, but that in, in, in mythology and reports and stories, it's something that people always talk about. Oh man. And I don't even think that I can read this one unless I was to like, um, sorry, I can't read it. The, the, the typing is too small on the slide, but another, Revelation 21 through 3. 21 through 3. Yeah, I'm going to try to. Can I? Oh, that's better. Yeah, let's do this. Okay. So I saw an angel come down from heaven with the key of the abyss in his hand and an enormous chain. He, overturned, he overpowered the dragon, that primal serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and chained him up for a thousand years. He hurled him down into the abyss and shut the entrance and sealed it over him. Revelations 21 through three. And I just think this is quite incredible metaphoric that a reptilian type monster is the devil. Right. And, you know, for what we know about the Anunnaki and other stories seem to be reptilian. And um, I think a lot of this is pointing to that, but it always talks about these dragons reappearing. And here again in Revelations, then another sign appeared in heaven and an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his head, on his heads, Revelations 12, three. And then another one, the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled into the earth and his angels with him. So, you know, literally saying that this angels and the devil is like this reptilian dragon. Um, I imagine a lot of these stories go back into shape-shifting people. And I didn't talk about vampires or werewolves, and we'll have to do that the next time. We'll probably have to do, like I said, a cryptozoology 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 or beyond. But with these shape-shifters, the things that can turn into dragons, that can turn into werewolves, and um, we have to ask ourselves, you know, these advanced beings that are shape-shifters that can turn into other things, that can cloak themselves to look like humans, they can be other things, but these dragons are literally always kind of referred to as these devil type creatures sometimes. And like I said, sometimes they're benign, but that we're going to throw these, these reptilian type dragons into this abyss to have this thousand years of peace. That's what has to be done at the end times. So I'm saying in my own personal opinion, shit's about to get crazy. You know what I mean? We're going to start our imaginations and our pineal glands are about to blast wide open and the interdimensional things that are happening that we're seeing already with the corruption and politics and everything. That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you're about to see. I think we're going to see more Sasquatches, unicorns, uh, dinosaurs, dragons. And, and, and I think those things are coming. I think they're already here. And I think we're setting up for an incredible time on this planet to be really excited about. Um, and we're in the middle of it and, you know, cool. Hallelujah. Like I'm excited. Um, what an incredible time to live, but on the benign side, one of the things that comes up is Quasicodal, the feathered serpent uh, and Chichen Itza and the Mayans talk about it and that he even set up the whole civilization, but he was a man kind of turned into the serpent. So again, when we become enlightened, when we become the Buddha, the Christian, the Christ, I mean, and you're going to fight, you know, these battles of good and evil, whatever you want to call them, light and dark or whatever. I mean, it would seem that, 
people could shapeshift in anything they want. And what would be cooler than to shapeshift into a dragon and, you know, to kind of fight the final battles and, and these end time things that are happening. And, um, you know, that's why dragons is so prevalent in our culture. And, you know, everybody kind of has their own dragons, you know, in, in their life. And to me, it's super important to make friends with that dragon that you have um, and those things that are in your life, um, you know, kind of like Pete's dragon, he made friends with them and it helped him and, and it, it got him through certain things um, magically that other people couldn't get to because they hadn't met their dragon. They had befriended their own dragon. And so I believe that we live in an incredible time where we are about to see some incredible things. And, you know, cryptozoology is not just the science to kind of classify things and make sure that people know that they're real. I mean, there may be no evidence to ever support the dragon exists or some of these other dinosaurs and stuff exists or a unicorn. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, that doesn't mean they're not real. It doesn't mean that it's not something incredible. It doesn't mean that the universe isn't something that's incredible, that these things can exist in another way, in another dimension, in another channel that is bleeding through right now. Because that's what's happening. We're having bleed throughs in our past life, things that we're remembering, cultures that we're remembering, things that we're attracted to. And it's because we lived different lifestyles, different lives, you know, times and different times and different epochs and eras. And so there are things that we're attracted to because of those, those lives that we lived in. And we live in an incredibly special one to now where all those lives can bleed through into now. We can know, we can understand, and we can become these very um, incredible people that we talk about, that we have, made stories and cultures and religions and, you know, about, and that's all that story of us. It's a story of human beings, a story of each and every individual for all of us to do that inner work and to become the very thing that we see and that we want to be like. And instead of wanting to cage the wild, because we're not free ourselves and we want to put things in zoos and, and think that, you know, that can't be real because I can't see in a zoo or it's not written in a book. Get out of that mindset free yourself from the domestication of human beings and become like the wild Sasquatch again, to free yourself from your religion, free yourself from your politics, to not be Democrat or Republican, to be none of those things, and to be completely a wild, dangerous human being again. Because the wilder you are, the more dangerous you are to society. When someone who doesn't need to be hooked up to the to the government, to the to the money, to the water, to the electricity where you can freely walk around this planet and not be not need those things and be totally wild and free that's the most dangerous person on the planet and these are the wild creatures that don't need those things but are now i i believe again are showing back up for us to realize it you know it's for us to see our own wild nature again we've lost our imagination we really have we've lost it and so we don't believe in these things and we don't see these things anymore like we used to but it's coming back We've been in the winter of our imagination, but spring is coming. I think the veil is thinning and it's time for us to unlearn all the things that we've been taught and to give every subject, no matter what it is, it's, it's due diligence to look at it, to, to research it, not to believe it, not to be, not to not believe it, but to look at everything and connect the dots, really get to the bottom of the mystery. The kingdom of heaven is a mystery. And those who know themselves shall find it. And we got to get deep down, not to this universe and to this world, but to ourselves. And who are we really? I'm a wild creature that's been domesticated in my mind and in my heart. And if I can only free myself from that, I've done this world and this universe a great justice by doing that to myself 
as opposed to trying to change the world. No, I'm changing myself. I'm freeing myself. And by freeing myself, I help others free themselves. I am incredibly thankful for every single one of you guys that have joined tonight. I know it's gone a little longer than I want to, and I did a few, and we'll do some more another time. But I want each and every single one of you to find that wild within you, that wild human, that wild being that you are, that knows no bounds, that's completely free in your mind, body, and soul, and your spirit, that you are the most wild, beloved creature of the universe. The universe loves you beyond your wildest dreams, and you are more magical and more incredible than you've ever been told, you've ever been taught. And it's time to break our chains and break our programming of who we think we really are and become the wild creatures. Again, I want to thank every single one of you. I'm so thankful, so thankful. I'm going to say it again, to be here on Ascension Works Television, to be talking to you guys tonight, to have this little YouTube channel, um, Rumble channel, to have these incredible podcasts. Please like and subscribe, share them, and get the word out. I mean, you know, it's not about me. It's about this information. If, 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 if what I'm saying gets out there, it makes me feel so good because it's not about me. It's about this information that's important for us to know, to become these people again, to take back our planet because we need to do it collectively. It's it was something that we have to do together. We have to get together and care about each other. Like it's your own mama. It's your own dad. It's your own brother. We're all brothers and sisters, guys. Every single one of us we can't look at each other because the color of our skin or our politics are different. Screw that. We are all one. We're all humans and we're all mother earth children i want to say thank you guys so much the divine and me sees honors and recognize divine in each and every single one of you namaste